Good. How are you, Ange? Good. So, do you have any idea what we're talking about today? Um, probably something that has to do with a trivia question again. Yes. So, what was the average purchase price of a car in America in 2017? Uh, uh like $25,000? Right. You would think. that That is like a great, reasonable guess when you wait new and used cars but no, it was much more absurd than that. It was almost $34,000. Oh, wow. Okay, so I was just assuming you meant only new cars, and that was more expensive <laughs> than my brand new car fully loaded when I bought it. That was more expensive than my brand new car that when I bought it. Wow, that's, so that's pretty bad. So there's people, a lot of people buying really expensive cars, and if that includes all used cars too, there's a lot of people buying some really expensive cars. Yeah, well, and I also think cars are going up in price. So, you know, I got a small SUV, I guess I would call it, a crossover um, in 2013, and I got that for $28,000 okay. total. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to trade it and stuff, so I paid less out the door but that was like the sticker price mm-hmm. and you got a car in 2007 yeah and you got a honda civic yep and do you remember what you paid ish uh so that was with like at the time it was like the satellite navigation and like you know all the fancy things and the steering wheel that you can talk into and all that stuff that never really worked well especially in 2007 still <laughs> doesn't work well today um and mine was like twenty four thousand for all the extra things like that it was just the one step down from like the one that had like racing seats and okay. like, whatever, right? So Yeah, so I'm just I just pulled up some information. You can get a Honda Civic, a sedan from nineteen thousand dollars, so none of the features that you got. Mm-hmm. Um, and a coupe from twenty thousand and then a hatchback from like twenty one thousand. Right now brand new? Right now brand new. Oh, so wow. like if you who is spending $34,000 if you could... Those new Civics look so nice. <laughs> like, mm, they're really nice. Yeah, so we've seen them driving around. Just go buy that. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to talk about this subject of car buying and kind of give people a guide. Because when I drive around, and Brett can testify, but when I drive around lately, I'm just like, why are these people in these big, huge cars... That they can't afford. Like, I just rant about it all the time now, don't I? I mean, it, it just seems like maybe disproportionately we just see, like, these huge Escalades and, like, the GMC equivalent and, like, what the you know, the Cadillacs. and Or pickup trucks. Or, 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 yeah, but it's not just, like, regular pickup trucks. It's these, like, super, right. super expensive looking pickup trucks. And they have, like, the double tires on the back. The Dooleys. Yeah, or, the Dooleys. It's just kind of crazy to me. Like, everywhere I go, it's, like huge vehicles and then like because most of the time we are driving around in your honda civic we are like low to the ground and everybody (laughs) is towering over us so maybe like that's why i feel that way and i'm disproportionately angry about that especially when the headlights come on at night (laughs) because you and me both but but it's amazing to me because we actually do travel a lot as well and whenever we go to any other country we do not notice that same pattern we always see smaller cars Right, everywhere else in the globe. And that's, I mean, in some areas, it's gotten worse in the last couple years than maybe like five or six years ago, 
where there's like just larger vehicles, I suppose, in some of those areas. But predominantly, you know, like 90% of the vehicles are all still the same. It's just like the super rich people are like importing these giant cars over there now. Right. But everybody else, there's just nowhere to park. You have to have a small car. It makes sense. Like the communities, like, oh, they all have small cars. Um, your neighbors all have small cars. Right. Nobody's, I mean, I feel like here we have so much like extra space and we're really sprawled out and like all your neighbors are buying these like really expensive things and it's more of like a peer pressure kind of thing. So like yeah. get bigger and bigger and bigger cars. But, you know, that's just not a cultural thing like in other areas of mm-hmm. the globe. So. Yeah, I feel like in other areas though, like Nicaragua especially, they just have really functional vehicles for their area. Like they need four-wheel drive because the roads are dirt or brick. But they have like land or the Toyota Land Runners or whatever they're called, um, and so they're not like runner, yeah. huge. They're just like I don't know, pretty pretty normal size. But you know, and I think it's just kind of amazing because we don't really need these big of cars. Like even our sedans, if you look at them, they're just so long. Like I don't know what people are doing with all that space. But anyways, so we're here to talk about car buying because. I think it's a big problem in this country. (laughs) Um, So why don't we jump right in? Uh, Brett, when you were buying a car, did you like go right to the dealer to do it? Did you have cash or were you getting some type of financing? Um, So a little bit of both. So I had a big down payment that I had. I had like $14,000 in like cash that I knew I was going to put toward a new car. And I did go to the dealership. And I didn't really, I mean, I, I wasn't like looking around at the time. I wasn't that interested. I was just like, I think this is a good car for me. I decided that I was going to go with the Honda Civic um, because it was like a good footprint. It looked cool at the time as compared to like other vehicles. And the four-door car looked like terrible. So I went with the two-door car um, and because it was much more stylish. And that was just kind of like what I wanted. I didn't really shop comparison or like shop like for like vehicles or anything like that. And I didn't really even negotiate that much because I like this was my first car and like didn't know what that process looked like at the time and um so i ended up getting like some form of financing through our credit union and then i believe it was the credit union and then um took that and got all that figured out and got the twenty four um hundred dollar car or twenty four thousand dollar car so i had about a loan of like you know around ten thousand dollars something like that at the time nice um and so you know yeah I actually recommend that most people go to a credit union or a bank to get an auto loan instead of getting dealer financing. So um, that was the thing you did right. Um, I think other than that, you know, it's, I think you did almost everything else wrong, Um, but so (laughs) did I, right? Like I bought a brand new car and in hindsight, I really regret that decision. I wish I would have bought a used vehicle. You know, at this point now I put about 3000 miles on my car a year. And so buying a new car and just eating the depreciation has been like a really painful exercise for me. Right. Because um, it doesn't matter whether, I mean, if it's a 10-year-old car, nobody's going to buy it. It doesn't even matter how many miles are on it for top dollar. Right. Everybody's looking for a deal. Right. Um, but, you know, yeah. So, you know, the only time I tell people to do dealer financing, and I actually did dealer financing when I got my car, and I should not have because I had 5% interest rate on it, which isn't that great. Um but, you know, I was planning on buying a car and then paying it off in a year. So my interest didn't matter quite as much. Um, but, you know, a lot of times credit unions will be able to get you a slightly better interest rate. I say with car loans, you should be looking between 3 to 7%, which I know is still 
a large range, mm-hmm. but, you know, we just ha- had an episode about credit score, so obviously there's a lot of factors that goes into this. Um, but, you know, sometimes if you're buying a new car, you can go to a dealer and actually get, like, 1% or 2% interest rate, which if you qualify for that, which are typically going to be the people that, you know, have a pretty good credit score, they have a decent down payment on the car, you know, they have pretty good income, then it's probably worth it to do dealer financing. But outside of that, like if you're the average Joe, if the average person, um, dealers are are intent on selling you a vehicle. So like all the time on the radio, I hear ads for used car dealerships in town that are like, come on in with, you know, $350 and we can get you a car as long as you make $200 a week, right? And it's like, no, like, that, you know, how can you get a car for that? And they're giving you some absurd term where you're going to be paying on this car for 10 years, probably with a super high interest rate. And, you know, that car is not even going to last 10 years. So right. it's just like a really bad situation to get in and you're going to be upside down. Right. And I mean, those are ridiculous numbers in the first place because you're at $200 a week, you're making $800 a month and like almost 50% of all of your income is going toward the car. Right. Let alone start adding in insurance and gas. Right. Then you're paying more for the vehicle than you are for food or any other housing or anything if you can afford that, even if you're living with roommates. So, uh, yeah, that's just a disaster scenario. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it can be really bad what they get people set up in. You know, I've, I've even worked with people who, you know, signed up for the, I think the longest term I ever heard was I talked to somebody who had an 11 year lease on a car and they didn't buy it new. So, you know, that's a really long time. And I tell people, even if you can just afford to pay an extra $20 a month, you know, $5 a week, I feel like everybody can cut out something for $5 a week. And if you can do that, like, you will be surprised how much faster you can pay that off. Mm-hmm. So... So let's talk about the differences between like new car loans versus like used car loans. So you said you could get the special dealer financing, like if you one if you have good credit, right? Mm-hmm. And like you go to the dealer to get that new car because obviously the dealers like just want to sell you the new car because the margins are ridiculous on new cars, right? right? Um, That's so, why you can get the special financing, right? They're just they're just making all their money on the sale. Like they don't care what the terms are for the for the for the lease. Or the, or the car loan because they don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they just made 10 grand, uh, let alone who cares what, they, what they're going to make um, on, the, on the loan. Um, but that's in the new car scenario. And I don't think we would recommend most people look at new cars in the first place, right? Right. New cars are really, really expensive. So if you don't mind, I'll walk through an example of sure. what I think the average person should be spending on a car. So... Um, the average household makes about $55,000 a year in America, which is about 4500 a month. And there's this rule, that the 2410 rule, um, which I'm sure even if you haven't heard of it, I'll say it and you're probably going to be like, oh yeah, my parents taught me this as a kid. So the idea is that you have 20% down on your car. You don't take a loan out for more than four years for okay. a car. And you only spend 10% of your gross income on all car-related expenses. So not just your car payment, but also your car insurance and your gas and your repairs, right? Maintenance, yeah, oil changes and new tires and all that fun stuff. Yep. So going back to our, you know, average Joe family, that means they can spend $450 on car expenses. 
So we'll say that they spend $100 a month on gas because that's about what we spend. So seems fair. <laughs> um, $75 a month on insurance. Now, this can vary widely state by state um, because some states are no fault and you're going to be paying a lot more like our great state of Michigan. Um, and some states are you know, at fault and you actually pay a lot less. Um, like Wisconsin, for example. Um, so this can vary a lot, but I just put 75 in to try to be an average. And then we'll say, you know, 10 bucks a month for registration since a lot of, you know, around 120 bucks a year for registration will work in most states. I think California might be more expensive, but, you know, sorry, just doing <laughs> averages here. Um, so that means that this family can spend $265 a month on a car payment, um, which that would translate into... An eleven thousand dollar five hundred loan with the four year term that I outlined, and this is at five percent interest rate, which is like the average car loan interest rate. And so, if they save up their twenty percent down, that means that they can look at a car in the neighborhood of fourteen thousand to fourteen thousand five hundred dollars, which is a pretty long way away from that thirty four thousand dollar average car loan or car price that people oh, yeah. were buying last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this is, I'm using all average numbers here, and I actually come up with that people are spending roughly two times as much as they should on a car. And I bet a lot of households, because the American dream is to have two cars, so then this is making the numbers even blow up more than that, right? Because right. I'm at 14000 total household expense, and most people are getting two cars, probably spending closer to 70000 Right. So, so we're we're miles apart from where yeah. people should be. So I mean, this is kind of a the theme a theme of what we've been talking about across several podcast episodes is that automobiles are one of the leading causes for why people are in debt, why people are not successful with money management, you know, why people don't have retirement funds when they're supposed to, why people aren't on track with a lot of their finances. Like this is kind of your number one, would you say? This is, this is probably my number one, um, because I think even people who have paid off vehicles, I, I think very few people understand how much driving their car on a daily basis really costs. Right, because you don't see those numbers, right? You don't see problems until they happen, and they're, they're really far apart, hopefully, right? Like if you have maintenance, it's spread out a really, over you know, not a really long period of time because your car only lasts like... For most people, they probably don't even have their car longer than 10 years right. before they end up getting a new one, right? So like, let's say seven years on average. But yeah, hopefully you either get rid of all the expensive stuff, uh, you sell your car before it starts getting really expensive, but you've already lost all the depreciation on it anyway, depreciation right. on it. So yeah, they're kind of they're kind of money pits, but you don't really see it or don't feel the pain. Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, cars are something that in this country we've built up to be the American dream. To have two cars per family and have nice cars and everyone always wants the bigger and better and nicer thing. And I will admit, I used to be terrified of cars with over 100,000 miles. Like, I just didn't know enough about them. I didn't think they were going to keep running. But now that we have your car, like, I just, I enjoy driving it. There's no problem with it. It's comfortable. Like, I don't think your car versus a $100,000 car, I don't think there's that much different in comfort that it's worth four times the, you know, purchase price. Um, And I think you kind of get used to what you have. So, you know, when I switched from thinking like, oh, I need to, you know, have a really nice car to thinking I just need something that gets me from point A to point B, 
then you realize that like your cars provide such a small amount of marginal happiness unless you are a total gearhead and then this is probably just not the episode for you (laughs) right because you're like that's your life that's your passion and that's cool but I think for the average person like I don't think that's the case I think most of us are just trying to like get around safely and we keep getting upsold to be like well bigger is safer and more expensive has more safety features but that's not always true. No, that's total marketing, right? I mean, like, just because your car has a backup camera doesn't mean it's any less likely for you to get in an accident on the road where you would have anyway. Right. Um, and you can talk about roll cages, but most of the cars driving around on the street aren't the ones that have the highest safety ratings anyway. Like, right. actually, right? The ones that are winning the safety awards and all that stuff. Um you know, because of the marketing speak, I think there's like Chevy commercials where they say they have like all these awards and stuff. Uh, but the way that they're like actually phrasing the numbers or the, the the statements, it's like, yeah, you've won all these awards, but like you won like three out of 32 awards or something like, right? Like if you look at the research of what they're actually competing against right. and like you've only won like three years out of 10 or something like, okay, so <laughs> what happened the rest of the time? Like all the rest of your cars are garbage. Yeah. Um, like So... Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of marketing around that, and a lot of salesman pitches, or it's a billion billions of dollars going toward that marketing and stuff. So right, it's definitely they're sell, definitely selling products because of it, but doesn't mean you're you're getting the best thing for your money. Exactly, and you know, like the even safer option is to drive less. <laughs> so <laughs> it's true, I guess statistically, if you decrease the amount of time you're on the road, the de- the less likely you are to get hit, uh, you know, by a bus driving through your front window. Yeah. That's very true. Um, so to kind of get us back on track, you know, I think and a really important thing to do when you're buying a car is to set your budget ahead of time. Because I think if you go into a dealership not knowing exactly what your numbers are, they're very persuasive people. Like, they're salesmen, right? That's their job. And you will probably get talked into something that you're not completely comfortable with. Right. So run the numbers, set your budget ahead of time. Um and, you know, I I also wanted to kind of give a guidance for, you know, what if you are maybe in retirement and you need to buy a new car? You know, how do you decide how much you can spend? Because you, you might not have really annual money coming in, right? You kind of have a fixed pot that you're living off of now. Um, and so my guidance is to not spend more than 2 to 3% of your net worth on a vehicle. Okay, so st- buy it in cash, or should you still get a loan for that? You know, I kind of favor buying... A, my, my personal advice here is to get a used car and pay for it with cash. Because when you're getting used, you're not going to... Most of the time, you're not going to get special dealer financing, unless it's like some crazy, you know, once a year type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I honestly think a lot of times... It's better to buy in cash and just kind of be patient and wait for the right deal to pop up. And then when it does, pounce on it, right? Um, And, you know, I also think for a lot of retired people, you're not really, you know, I know by the time my grandparents retired, they weren't really driving all that much anymore. They weren't putting a lot of miles on their vehicle. So it then at that point, like if you get a car that has 60,000 miles on it, it's still going to last you a very long time. Right. Yeah. I think as soon as my dad retired and he wasn't driving, you know, 20 miles to work every day, uh, my parents went down to a one car household too. Right. It just, it just made sense because they're not going to multiple locations every single day where, you know, they need, they need that situation. 
Exactly. And even for a lot of people, that's probably, you know, unless you're driving to two different offices across town, uh, which that is the situation for a lot of people. But uh, for people, they do their work from home or, uh, are, you know, live close to work. Like that's it's it is more reasonable than people realize to yeah. to be in a one car situation. Did you know that over 50 percent of vehicle trips made by people are fewer than like three miles? Oh, to like the grocery store. To the grocery store, to a neighbor's house or whatever. So, um, you know, I mean, hate to be that person, but you could bike that. That's why statistically most accidents occur with one mile away from your house. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's another big thing too is like, look how many miles you drive. You know, I think when I first got my car, I was putting closer to 10,000 miles a year in my car, but I've really tried to cut down on my driving a lot in the past few years. Um, So with a combination of moving closer to the part of town that we wanted to be near, and I bike to work quite a bit of the time now, I really only put two to 3,000 miles on my car. So at this point, you know, I I wouldn't even mind driving a car that had like 150,000 miles on it because what's the worst that's going to happen? You know, I still can probably get, you know, four or five years out of it without having to sink much money into it. Right, because if you, I mean, if you look at the depreciation on the vehicle, you're saving a ton of money by just reducing the amount of miles you're putting on the car. Because, yeah, there's the purchase price of the vehicle when you buy it. There's, I mean, if you have a loan, then there's the interest on top of that. There's all the maintenance costs with the car mm-hmm. that don't, they're, they're not part of that initial purchase price. Those all extra, right? So for the entire rest of the life of that vehicle, and toward, especially as you get closer to the end of the life of that vehicle, it's just going to get more and more and more and more and more expensive. Mm-hmm. So, and people, that's what those are the numbers people don't realize. They're just like, yeah, exactly. my, my car, when I bought it in 2007, was $24,000, and that's what it was. No, probably my car at this point was over $40,000 or $50,000, right? Because I've had it for over 10 years now, and you know, it, it's going to run into more problems. Not to mention the opportunity cost of being able to take that $24,000 and do something else with it. Right. So if you yeah. would have been if you could have found a car for $10,000 and have been happy, you could have invested the 14. And because it was 10 years ago and your money doubles every 10 years, you would have had $28,000 and a car. Right. So still have it. Yeah. Um, you know, that's just something else to think about. We always talk about opportunity costs and evaluate the pros and cons. So car buying is no different. Um so I just kind of want to recap here. So when you're in the car buying process, you know, make sure you set your budget ahead of time. Go to a bank or credit union to, you know, just see what you can get there for financing so that you walk into the car dealership with your numbers. Um, and again, you know, I recommend that by the time you buy a car, you've saved up 20% down and you make sure that all of your car expenses won't go over that 10% of your income. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's pretty important. And so, you know, for most people, that's going to put you. You know, this is all based off averages, so that's going to put people right around $14,000. And, you know, I think if you really look at it, you can get some really nice cars for $14,000. But I think you should also really put the research in and figure out what do you want in a car. You know, do you want to haul stuff? A lot of people think, I need a pickup truck to haul stuff. Getting a hatchback, you know, you can actually still haul quite a bit. Um, You know, we like to go paddle boarding, and it's really important for us to be able to haul those. We have roof racks that we put on a two-door Honda Civic, and we haul 12-foot paddle boards, you know? Right, so. and it's, like, way more convenient because I can load the stuff on the car myself because I have the car short. 
Right. Like, putting them on your car is a huge pain because I can't physically, like, reach the roof because it's so tall if you had the roof racks on top. Yeah. Right. So, it would be a two-person job or, you know, with probably a step stool or a ladder of some kind, right? Or, you know, or some pulley system that lowers them down from the mm-hmm. garage roof. Well, and another important thing to look at, you know, we had friends that had a RAV4 and they couldn't fit an infant car seat in it. Right. Yeah. That was, like, a newer car that they had purchased, too. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it... It was just not equipped to be able to comfortably fit the car seat. And it wouldn't fit behind the seats at all. Best case scenario, they could fit one in the middle in between the seats. Right. right. And then, you know, boom, they were going to have another kid. And then they're totally screwed. Yeah. So, And that's, you know, a car that most people would think of as a bigger Yeah, that's a bigger, vehicle. yeah, a big square, like SUV crossover type vehicle. And yeah, it couldn't do something functionally as adequate as like putting a car seat in the back seat. Right. So, you know, I, I tell people like, make sure when you buy a car, figure out what you want before you even go to a dealership. Just like read reviews online and narrow it down at least. Like narrow it down to here's what, here's my list of demands. And then don't get talked into something different. Like don't let them upsell you and be like, oh, instead of the Camry, like go to a RAV4 and you can have four wheel drive. And it, like if you have kids, be like, no, sorry, I absolutely need the Camry so I can fit in my car seats, you know. <laughs> um, and I think another big thing, you know, I have a car with four-wheel drive. You do not. But I used to drive a Mustang. And getting winter tires on a vehicle is actually even more important than having four-wheel drive. It makes more of a difference. So, you know, we live in a snowy state, and I still think there's a lot of things people can do without having to jump up to the only thing I can possibly drive is the biggest vehicle known to man. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it, and if cars are your thing, I'm not saying don't do it, right? Like, if that's your, if that's what you want to spend your money on, um, but just make sure you, you know, take the opportunity cost. And because you can't have it all, right? We, we talk about that. Like, you can't have the car and the house and the vacation. So... Pick one. And right. <laughs> just just be aware of your situation. Know that it's expensive. Know that it's costing you money. Don't just let marketing and, and peer pressure, like, snow you over on the whole situation. You know, just we're just trying to be transparent about how expensive some of these things are that people never talk about. Right. So, um, And so the last thing I wanted to mention really quick is car leases and when or why they might be a good idea. Um And the short answer to that is, I really don't think car leases are a good idea 99.99% of the time. (laughs) Um, So, you know, my dad, for example, he travels a lot for work. So his car, for him, is a tool to do his job. And, you know, he, so he has to make sure he has, you know, a newer car at all times. It's not going to break down, right? Because it's, like, critical that that doesn't happen to him. Right. And so... You know, at one point I was like, you know, he might be a good candidate for a lease because he has to have the newer car at all times. He drives too many miles. Right. He can't even get a car lease because it's too many miles. Um, So that takes off one person that I would have thought could have been a good candidate. Um, So who's left? Um, You know, sometimes I think people hear car leases and it's cheaper than a car payment. So they go with the lease. The problem with that is you don't get any of that money back. So at least with a car payment, you by the end of you know your four years, you own that car and you could sell it or you could keep it forever. With a car lease, you make those payments for four years and then they come and pick up your car. And if you want to keep it, you have to purchase it. Right. And it's not inexpensive to purchase it. They don't give you a deal to purchase it. They charge you pretty much the same 
price maybe a little bit cheaper than anybody else. Mm-hmm. So um, really the only example of somebody I've seen that a car lease makes sense for is somebody who doesn't necessarily drive that much, but always wants to be in a new vehicle. And so if you're really into cars and you like getting new cars all the time and you're going to have a car payment all the time anyways, then maybe go the lease route. Um, but the practical person in me tells you to like suck it up cupcake and drive your car into the ground. Right. I mean, do that if you want to do it, but know that that is the most expensive model that you could be doing. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, I think that covers pretty much everything I had on my list. Good. Yeah. Buy used. I mean, you can get great. I mean, I was looking today at some different prices on different auto websites and places where you can get used cars and things. There's a lot of different tools out there now for it. And yeah, you're right. $14,000 can get you a really good vehicles with pretty low miles on it. Uh, most cars that you could get that are still in good shape are in like the six to seven to $8,000 range, mm-hmm. right? So if that's what you're going to be looking for, for a car that you're going to be driving for 10 more years, that's that's a pretty good price point. You know, that's a lot better than the $24,000 that I had. So. Yeah. Yep. So learn from our mistakes because we've made plenty and buy used instead of new because I know I personally kind of regret the car, you know, the, my whole car situation, but right. I learned a lot from it. So that's okay. Yep. And you, I mean, you don't, that doesn't mean you have to use cars. Don't always mean that there was a wreck or you, there was damage or oh, no. don't be scared of it. Right. There's a lot of really good vehicles out there that people just need to offload or will get rid of for one reason or another. And as long as you're patient and find a good one that fits you and you know what you want to get, it's, it's the best thing to do. And you know, uh, you know, one more thing I wanted to note on that. We live in a college town. And just from having out-of-state students or international students, every spring it's like fire sale because the students, you know, if they if they're from, you know, even some just a different state, but they got to get back home and they're not taking their car with them, they have like a week that they want to get rid of this car in, right? Because they're like taking finals and then they're like, oh, now school's over and I'm leaving in a week and I need to get rid of this car as fast as possible. And there's some really, really, really good deals that time of year. So if you live near a college, that's another thing you can look into. Right. I mean, it's like Mercedes and BMWs left and right from a lot of these kids that are driving around and they just offload it for like next to nothing. Right. I mean, you could, you could, there may be somebody doing it now, but you could start an entire business just buying their vehicles up and reselling them at Mm -hmm. almost twice the markup. Right. Well, and not even just Mercedes and, you know, BMWs, which I don't want to scare people. Like, there's also Hondas and Toyotas and Fords (laughs) and Chevys and just like, you know, pretty lightly used cars because honestly, college kids don't drive that much. Right. It's really small commutes. Yeah. It's not like the campuses are really sprawling. Right. Three miles. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode. So if you have any more questions or if you are looking into buying a car and you want me to, you know, help you crunch the numbers, I would be happy to do it. I will drop all of our contact information in. And thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the bank.